Thank you, Aaron. William Borden, the heir to the Borden fortune. Anybody recognize the name Borden? Borden Milk. William Billy Borden, when he graduated high school in 1904, was rewarded by his multi-million dollar parents a trip around the world. Imagine that in 1904. At the end of that trip, when he returned, he returned with the conclusion and with the commitment, I will spend my life taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to the places that I saw and to the people that I met. I will spend the rest of my life as a People decried the fact that as a, an heir to the Borden fortune, the Borden business, he was throwing away his life by becoming a missionary. And he opened his Bible and he wrote, he wrote in the front of the Bible, no reserves. The idea is holding nothing back. I will give it all to Jesus. No reserves. He went to Yale University, and even though he was a millionaire at his age as, as a student, he didn't spend his time in social events and in amusements like other students. Instead, he gathered a Bible study group and a prayer group and that was his ministry during his university years. In the final year, he was the president of Phi Beta Kappa, the, the honor society at Yale University. If you can imagine being the top of the class and being in the, uh, the honor society at Yale. When he graduated, it was presumed that he would take over the family business. He had already said no to that. But he was also offered all kinds of business opportunities, high-paying jobs with corporations because of who he was and because of the grades that he made because people saw a leadership potential in him. He turned them all down and said, I'm going to seminary to prepare myself for the mission field. He opened his Bible again, and right below where he had written the, the statement, no reserves, he, he wrote, no retreats. No retreats. No turning back. No lessening of the commitment to God I've already made. No reserves and no retreats. He went to Princeton for his seminary training. And during that time, he determined he had already surrendered to him to be a missionary. And he, based on his research, based on his travels, his experience, he committed himself to, be, to go to China as a missionary. But oddly enough, Tony, he was going to go to the Muslim population in China. And so when he finished seminary at Princeton, he set sail for Egypt so that he could study Arabic in Egypt 
where Arabic is, was spoken. And then from there, Gail, he would go to China to be a missionary. But while he was in Egypt, he was stricken, I, I think it was hepatitis, and died in Egypt before he could ever get to his mission field. But David, when they opened his Bible and they saw what he had written in his Bible, he had written no reserves. He had written on no retreats. But on his deathbed or sometime during that sickness, he wrote the final entry, no regrets. No reserves, no retreats, and no regrets. Our series this year is passion. This, this month, over the next month, we'll be talking about passion. No reserves, no retreats, and no regrets. We're going to look at that in the book of Second Peter. Second Peter is a book about passion. In chapter 1, verse 5, it uses the term making every effort. Now, in the King James Version, and I think in the New King, that term is diligence. The problem with that, when I read the word, Tim, when I read diligence, I think about a head down, taking care of details, doing the same thing every day, a rote, boring life. And that is not what's being talked about here. We're talking about doing all I can do. No reserves, no retreats, and no regrets. The same term is in chapter 1, verse 10. The same thing is in chapter 1, verse 15. It occurs later in, in later chapters, but that's enough for you to see that at least chapter 1, and I believe the whole book, is about passion. And that is our series, Passion. But understand, that passion cannot be worked up. It's not just a matter of enthusiasm. Someone called uh, one of my heroes, Eric Little, uh, the, the golden mauler, the, the fastest missionary who ever ran. He, he, he won the gold medal at the 24 Olympics. And someone called him a miserable enthusiast. Listen, passion is more than just personal enthusiasm it must have a basis and our passion for Jesus our passion for Christ ought to have a biblical basis and I that's what I want to share with you the first message of this series on passion is the basis of our passion the verses say uh, chapter 1 verses 1 through 4 and I just happened to pick out the N-E-T. I, I, I like the way it reads in this place. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, 
according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, by the way, if you, if you have a worship guide, open it at this point, and there are some fill-in-the-blanks. I think that writing the blanks in as you hear them in the message will help you get the point. And I forgot to mention earlier, for those of you who are on the live stream, those same notes are available for you to download. You can print them out. You can fill them in. And by the way, we'd like to have a, a, some record of your visit as well. And there's a connect button. If you're on live stream, please connect with us. Tell us the name of the family, how many are watching, even where you are. Uh, I mean, if, if you're in New York, I want to know that. But fill in the blanks. Um, we're talking about the basis for our passion. And I want you to understand there is a biblical basis and a strong basis. The first of those, our passion is based upon precious faith precious faith to them that have obtained like precious faith with us. Our passion is not worked up. It is not without basis. Faith in God that He is who He says He is. Faith in Jesus Christ that He is the Son of God, that He is God. Our faith in God is is a basis for our faith. Now, I want you to notice that that faith is a gift. You can write that down. I, I know that I put the different color in this, and there's not a blank. There was not room for everything I'm going to say to you, so write small, but write it down. Faith is a gift. It says, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us. That word obtained does not mean purchased. Doesn't mean you went out and bought it. Doesn't mean that you earned it. it. It is a word that was used for gaining something in a lottery. God has given you the gift of faith. Uh, when in 1 Corinthians, when it lists the gifts that remain, Talks about the gifts, the miracle gifts that were done away. But of the three that remain, it is faith, hope, and love. Faith is a gift from God to us. Understand, it's provided by God, and God is the object of our faith. I hope to goodness your faith is not in me. I hope to goodness your faith is not in this church. I hope to goodness your faith is not in the people around you, whether it's your small group leader or the other people in the class. Our faith is in God, and that faith is the basis for our passion. Notice that he also says that faith is precious. He said, like precious faith 
with us. By the way, one of the things I take pleasure, Don, in the fact that he is indicating that his faith is not more precious than my faith. He's an apostle of Jesus Christ. He walked with Jesus, Kelly. I, I've dreamed what that must be like. I've imagined, and I cannot even imagine, Rodney, what it must have been like to sit down at a meal and eat with Jesus, to walk in the way with Jesus. But Cordella, he, Peter's saying that our faith is just as precious as his faith. And faith is precious. It is precious. Peter talks about in his writings seven times. He uses that word five times in 1 Peter, twice in 2 Peter. Seven times, and he, he uses that talking about Jesus Christ and talking about the blood of Jesus Christ. Is Jesus precious to you? And is His blood precious to you? It is precious to me that God loved me so much that He shed His precious blood for me. And faith, like precious faith, is ours. And faith is the basis for our passion. It's not worked up. It's not a personal, it's not just personality. It's because I believe God. I believe that God is in charge. Even in the midst of COVID-19, I believe that God is in charge. I believe that God knows what He's doing. And I believe that God has my best interest in mind. I believe God and our faith is the fuel that fires our passion. Our, fashion, our faith is based on faith, but it is also based upon abundant grace and peace. Because verse 2 says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen, His grace and His peace are abundant. I, I like that. May it be multiplied to you, not just added to you, not just sufficient, May it be multiplied so that it is abundant. He gives us sufficient grace to do what we need to do. And He gives us peace no matter what we're passing through. He said, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. And His grace, His grace, fuels our passion. His grace and His peace, that verse says, come from knowing Him. The verse says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. That word knowing, by the way, is a, an experiential knowing. It is 
full knowledge, but it is also experiential knowledge. I know Jesus Christ because I have experienced His grace and I have experienced His salvation in my life. I know Him because I have walked with Him. I know Him because I have talked with Him. I know Him because I have spent time with Him. I know Him because I've experienced His work and His touch in my life. Do you know Jesus? Do you know His grace? Do you know His salvation? Do you know His voice when you hear it? Listen, that experience will give you a passion for God that the world will never understand. My experience in knowing God fuels my passion. How can you be so passionate? How can you be so excited? Because I know Jesus. I know who He is. I know what He can do. I have experienced that. And that knowledge of Him fires my passion. Our passion is also based upon the power that God supplies. That is in verse 3, the power, for those of you who are writing slower than I'm talking, I get fussed at that, Terry, that I talk too fast and I pass from one slide to another. Write the word power. Our, our, our passion is based upon the power that He supplies according as His divine power have given unto us all things that pertain unto life and unto godliness through the knowledge of Him. There it is again. That hath called us to glory and to virtue. To virtue. I want you to notice that His power is sufficient. It gives us all we need. His power is sufficient. Now we can pray for power, but understand it's not our power. It's His power. It is the power of His Spirit in us. According as His divine power hath given us all things. That's enough. It is sufficient. His power is sufficient. All things that pertain to life and godliness. His power is practical. You know, it's... If, if we talk about the power of God, but Delane, it's not good for anything that we need, then what good is it? I, I hear a lot of preaching, I hear a lot of talk about the power of God, but Peter found out that the power of God was good enough not only for God to do what he wanted to do, but good enough that Peter could walk on water. And listen, I want you to understand that God's power is practical for your life. You can have access to the power of God to overcome the difficulties that you pass through. His power is practical. It's practical, first of all, for life. Understand that that word life is not the biology word. You know, I, I learned in college going through science classes uh, I don't know, where's Delenn? She's in here somewhere. Uh, maybe she's working 
the desk or something. She was here earlier. But Delenn will tell you that there is biology, but there's also zoology. Well, that's based on two different Greek words. There is bios or bios, and that has to do with your... Let me read it so I make it right. has to do with the necessities of life, of food, of clothing, or of shelter. And this is not, in that verse that I read, is not the bios, the bios. It is the zoe life. And the zoe life has to do with vitality, with animation, with passion. Listen, His power is sufficient to give you passion in your life and to live life with passion. A passionate life for God is worth living. His power gives me the passion to live for His honor and His glory. By the way, the verse also says that it's practical for, practical for godliness. The verse says, he, well, I need to go back. I didn't put the verse in. According as the divine power hath given us unto all things that pertain to life and to godliness. I said it's practical for life, but His power is also practical for godliness. Godliness. What is godliness? Godliness means to live a life that reverences God and to live a life that glorifies God. Your life and my life is not a life of passion, Pam, if we're not living it for the glory of God. It is good for godliness. It doesn't mean that you become a God. It means that you live for the glory of God. What is your motivation? What keeps you going? Do you have passion to live for the glory of God? Do you think about, Larry, when you make a decision, do you think about, will this bring glory to God or just glory to me? And listen, the power of God will enable you to live in a way that glorifies Him. Now, I've already said before that our passion comes from knowing God. So I ask you the question, do you have no passion for God? Then seek God's power by coming to know Him. You must know Him, first of all, in salvation, that you have accepted that Jesus Christ truly is the Son of God and that He is God. You must accept that He has died for your sins on the cross, and that by the power of God and the power of the Spirit, He's been raised to life again. You must believe that. You must know Him through salvation. Then I talked about walking with Him, working with Him, talking with Him, spending time with Him. Spending time with Jesus will give you a passion and a power in your life that you will have in no other way. His power 
fuels my passion. Understand, please, I've said it again and again. Do not leave after this series, after this sermon, with the idea I need to get stirred up and I need to stir myself up so that I can have some passion for God. Wanda, that's not it at all. That won't last two minutes or two days or two weeks. It'll last about as long as your New Year's resolution. But I guarantee you, if you start spending time with God and you get to really know Him, you can have a power in your life that fuels your passion, a genuine passion for God. And then finally, our passion is based upon precious promises. Not just precious faith, but precious promises from God. The verse 4 says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great. I like that. How's that for a superlative? Exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now I want you to notice those exceeding grace and precious promises. First of all, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. You see, we have the promise of becoming like Him. Charlotte, the danger is that we'll think we have to reform our lives and make ourselves like Him. Bobby, it doesn't work that way. We are destined for failure if we think that we're going, Vince, to reform our lives and be like Jesus. I'll just just make myself like Him. It's not going to work will not work. Instead, what God has done, He's put His Holy Spirit in every believer. And the power of the Spirit of God transforms our lives. Listen, if it were up to me, I would still be that caterpillar crawling on the limb. But Mary, He uses the term metamorphosis, that He transforms us. That metamorphosis word, you, you know, you studied that in science. That's where the caterpillar sews himself into a cocoon, goes in a caterpillar, a worm, and comes out a butterfly. Listen, God has the power to transform you, Benjamin, in a way that you cannot for yourself. You must depend on the Spirit of God working in you, Jerry, to make that transformation and to change you to be like Jesus. Then that's that's the greatest thing. You'll never be like Jesus on your own power, but by His Spirit, He's making you more like Him day after day after day. What a blessing. And Larry, that's the promise. That's what He has promised. That is His exceedingly great and precious promise that we can become like Him He says that you might be partakers of the divine nature. I love that. Because of His Spirit in me, I can be a partaker, a participant in the divine nature, the nature of God. But then there's also a second part of that. 
I've already said His Holy Spirit in us fuels our passion. What, what fuel do you need for your passion for God? His Spirit in us fuels our passion for Him. But then I said there's another part, and that is the promise of overcoming the world. Do you feel put down by the world? Do you feel pressed down by the world? Do you feel sometimes that the world is against you? Listen, Jesus has overcome the world, and He has promised us that we can overcome the lust we can overcome the world. We can escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. That is a promise of God. We don't have to be victims. In Jesus Christ, we can be victory. We can be victorious. We can be victors. His promises. The promise that He will enable me to godliness. His promise that we can overcome the world, that we can have victory in our lives, fuels my passion. I hope you understand, by faith in God, through His power, through His promises, by His grace and by His peace, those are the basis, those are the things that fuel my passion so that I can make a commitment to God that I will give it all. I will hold nothing back. No reserves. That I will never quit. I will never give up. As Winston Churchill, Churchill said, never, never, never quit. No reserves, no retreats, and no regrets. In our study group this morning, Brenda was talking about, she was sharing with the class how we had quit our jobs, left for seminary. I'd forgotten, she said, Roger, we had $7 a week for groceries. I'd forgotten that. Can you imagine? Okay, this was a lot of years ago, Pam. I admit that, okay? But nevertheless, $7 a week for groceries. We went from having five times, six times, ten times that much for groceries every week, $7 a week for groceries. But we made us a, a choice, and we surrendered. And I have never, Mark, I've never regretted that. Never have. There came a time when God called us to be missionaries in Africa. We left everything behind. David, it was hard. But some of the highlights of our lives were in those years in Africa. Listen, no reserves. Hold nothing back. Whatever it is that God is calling on you to do this morning, don't hold back whatever commitment you've made to God this morning no retreats don't turn back don't turn away don't quit no reserves no retreats 
so that when we get to the end of the way, we can write in our Bible on our deathbed, we have the chance to do anything at that moment. No regrets. Some of those under the sound of my voice, whether in this auditorium or on that camera, are going to have regrets. Would that be you? If you had to think about where you've been and where you're going, will you end your life in great regret? You have the opportunity right now to change that. You have the opportunity to make a commitment to Jesus Christ, to come to know Him, to begin to live for Him. No reserves, no retreats, and no regrets. Passion. Passion for Jesus. We've come to the part of the service where it's your opportunity now to respond. It's your opportunity to write the end of the story from the beginning. This is who I will be. This is my commitment to Him. And I make it now. There are some here who need to come for salvation to come to know Jesus. There are others who need to come for baptism, to follow the Lord, to become a member of Faith Baptist Church. Some of you need to come and join the church because your membership is elsewhere. You're a tender. You're an attender here rather than a member here. We want you. God wants you. Will you make that commitment to Him? I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you to stand. At the end of my prayer, you're going to have the opportunity. You can even come while I'm praying. Just pray with me here to make a commitment. Maybe you just need to come to the altar. We can social distance. This is a long altar. We can social distance at the altar if you want to come and pray. Father, I thank you for the basis the biblical basis of a passion for life and godliness. Lord, I pray that you would move right now by your Spirit on those who need to make commitments and make decisions. Lord, even for those who are not physically present but are watching online, I pray that you would speak to their hearts. Lord, they might just kneel by the chair where they're sitting and watching and make a commitment to you.